Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. How many ever got into like a text fight and you didn't know you misread the text? Yeah, anybody do that? Yeah, be careful. Just be careful. Bad blood is always right around the corner. Can I get an amen? It's just, it's just right there. Today, we kick off a brand new series called Bad Blood. I'm so excited. I, I, you know, again, we, we decided to do this series a little bit. It, was, it wasn't something that we had on the, on, the, on the books, and so we were just getting this, this feedback from people or people asking questions or emailing or prayer requests or counseling sessions. I was like, man, I got to get back into this subject. And so uh, years ago, we did a series called How to Hug a Vampire, and so I'd encourage you to go pick that up. If this, if this strikes a, a, a bell or just doesn't anything for you, go get uh, How to Hug a Vampire series we did a few years ago. But this is a, kind of along those same lines because in relationships, bad blood is right around the corner. Like everything can be going smooth and all of a sudden, er, you said one thing, they did one thing. It just all went south in a hurry. And it only takes just one slip up for everything to go really, really bad. And so we're going to talk about bad blood. And so one of the things I want to share with you are, um, I, I found a list of like some of the top things that you can do socially to create bad blood. And so I'm going to equip you just right out of the gate here. And so anyway, let let me know if any of these resonate. Like this is what you don't want to do because if you do these things, you're going to create bad blood. You're going to be obnoxious. You're going to be annoying. You're going to irritate people, offend people, rub somebody the wrong way. Here's some things that you just don't. This is the type of thing where like, anybody ever done this? Where somebody at work brought in their pasta and then they microwaved it and didn't put something over the top of it. And then it has sprayed everywhere. And then they didn't clean it. It's bad blood. Bad blood. Top, top things not to do to create bad blood. Um, constantly checking your phone when having a conversation with someone. Mm, that's no, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Cracking your knuckles, cracking your joints. Yeah. Hey, here's another one with a microwave. Anybody do this where you stop the microwave before it rings and you leave like three seconds on there? And then, you got, and then the next person's got to come back and deal with your demonic... Anyway, this was on here. I'm just putting out, I'm just putting out there. I didn't make this. Picking your nose is on here. I don't know. Maybe that's for the young people. I don't know. Um, talking over someone. Standing too close to someone. Oh my gosh. I love you. Back up. Unless I'm praying for you and it just needs to be really secretive and private or something like that, back up off me. I don't like a close talker. Yeah, I have, I've had people, uh, there was a guy in our church, he doesn't come anymore, thank God, but <laughs> he, he still loves Jesus. He's going to heaven. I'm just saying he doesn't go here anymore. And so, but he would, get, he would get so, so close to my face and I don't think he was aware of it. And so what I learned to do is, is you kind of have to, you kind of have to like prop yourself backwards and then put a foot out. But this guy didn't care. It was almost like he had supernatural... <laughs> Like he was Morpheus or, or Neo and he could just lean. And so, but no lie, we would, we would be, I'd be like right there and I'd just keep, but yeah, okay. So I would move like 10, 12 feet by the time the conversation was done. Just trying to, anyway, just don't, don't, don't be that guy. Um, walking slowly and taking up the whole sidewalk. That's annoying. Get out of the way. Um, Looking over people's shoulder while they're on the phone. My kid does that. My kid will be like, I'll be like hey, what, hey, what do you got? What are you doing over there? I'm like, get up off me. Anyway, um, eating noisily, like chewing with your mouth open. Just be a noisy eater. It's disgusting. Close your mouth. Humming. <laughs> breathing, hey, breathing through your mouth. 
Yeah, breathing through your mouth is on the list. Don't do these things. Using a selfie stick. If you have a selfie stick, stop it. You're narcissistic. Stop it. Um, handing someone their change on top of their receipt. Do you ever get that? Isn't that the worst? And they give you... It, when, like, when you're buying something, in ca- so you don't pay in cash anything. Everything's just a swipe to you. But anyway, they give you the cash, and they'll give you the receipt, and they'll put the change on top of that. It's like a jigsaw puzzle i got to figure out. And then they're wanting me to move along, and I'm like, but i got to put all this crap away because of you. <laughs> okay, last one, and we're done. When somebody corrects your grammar. Somebody corrects your... It's, it's, it's whom? Sometimes it's who, okay? Leave me alone. Um... So you don't want to be the person that creates bad blood, do you? And these are, these are social bad blood. But how many know that there's the social things that you do to create bad blood and just annoy and frustrate people? But then there's, then there's what we really care about most, which is the relational dynamic. That, that again, it's, it's, your, it's your mother, it's your brother, it's your sibling, it's your spouse, it's your coworker, it's your neighbor. That when you get into these relationships, we're like, these are people that I'm actually kind of close to or I'm forced to interact with, I'm forced to engage with. Did anybody ever had like a roommate, bad blood roommate? Dude, I had a roommate. Check this out. I had a roommate that um, I told you the story when I was a, when I was an intern working for a church that these guys let me just sleep on their couch for a hundred bucks a month. I got the couch and a, and the coat closet for a hundred bucks a month. Then that that's a steal, right? And so I, I was I was like 19. I didn't care. And so. But it was a pullout couch. So, I mean, praise God. I mean, that's, that's like an upgrade. You know what I mean? It's not just sleeping on a couch. It was a pullout couch. And, and, and these guys worked and really weren't there a lot. And, and didn't, they, they, they weren't very cool, so they didn't have a lot of friends. They didn't have people over. You remember who it was. I love them. They're good, good, good guys. But anyway, but, so here's what I did. I had the pullout couch, right? And so what I would do is I would just leave because I had like a sleeping bag and a blanket and a pillow. And I think I just threw my pillow in the closet every day. And then I would just leave my blanket and sleeping bag in the thing. I was totally like slumming it, bachelor. Anybody ever live like that for a little while? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so I would put my bed away, throw the cushions on top, and I'd leave for the day. And then I tried to avoid being at home as much as humanly possible because who just... There's no point in being there. And so anyway, so I'd come home late, get home, you know, 11 o'clock, midnight, and then I'd pull out, you know, my bed and just, and then I'd go to sleep and then wake up, put it away and leave. And I was never there. I never ate there. I just, all I did was sleep there. And then I put my stuff in the coat closet. And one night I came home. I don't know if I ever told you this. I came home and they had friends over. Which, I don't care. It's your apartment. Have friends over. I don't care. And, but here's, here's what drove me crazy. They wanted to watch a movie. And rather than just sit on the couch and watch a movie, they had pulled out my bed and were all up on my blanket and my sleeping bag, like lounging, hanging out in their clothes and sneakers and this. And this is the worst part. They had chips. So like, there's all these like chip, yeah, you feel me, right? Like, look, I don't have a lot in this world, bless God. Leave my pullout couch alone. That's some bad blood right there. I was hot. I was hot. Anybody, anybody have like, you don't have to raise your hand. Bad, bad blood with, with, with all kinds of people in your life and people that you love, people that you're close to. And I could go on and on and on. Like, like this one time, my mom, my mom was in town visiting. I don't know if you remember this story. Sweetie. My mom was in town visiting. My dad was with her and, and they were hanging out and something happened. And for the life of me, I can't remember what happened. But I was in a bad mood. Something had gone south. I can't remember what happened. I was upset about something. And, and I remember it was late and I was tired and I was in a terrible mood. And my mom 
was trying to like make things better. So she's like, well, here, I'll just do that. And I said, mom, because she was like trying to clean up the house and clean up whatever. And I said, mom, just leave it. I'll get it in the morning. Please just leave it alone. No, 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 no. I'll get it. And she just, I said, mom, I love you. Please stop. And, and no, no, I'm going to do it. I said, listen. And that's, you know, that's where it went bad when you tell your mom, you listen. And this is what I told her. I was so stupid. How old was I? I was in my 20s still. I don't know how I was. I was like, look, this is my place. I'm a grown man. Would you please just stop? And I just, and I kind of gave her the business. They left the next day. That was the plan. And boy, my mama didn't call me and she didn't talk to me. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, I get a four page note front and back about how I'd gotten too big for my britches. Y'all ever got, y'all ever got that one? You're getting, you're getting a little too big for your britches over there. I don't even know what that is. My britches? So let's just say I, I, had, I had to apologize. It was my bad. I was the one. My ego was bruised. And I was, I was flexing my man, my young manliness or whatever. Don't ever, don't ever look at your mama and say, listen. Don't do that. That's bad blood. So anyway, bad blood is always around any corner. It can happen at any time. And here's what we want to look at today. The reason why this is so important is because relationships are important. Like this is huge. Who you get along with, your friendships, your spouse, your family, this is so important. Relationships, listen to this, the quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. Like, you need to know that. Like, what makes you happy in life is the quality of relationships. That's really what makes you happy. The quality of your health, I don't know if you know this or not, but studies have shown the quality of your physical well-being and physical health is attached to your relationships. And when you carry around bad blood, it literally deteriorates your physical body. And when you have great relationships, it enhances your physical self and your health and well-being. I'm telling you, relationships matter. You need to know this. God designed you for relationships. I don't know if you know that or not, but like you were made for them. You were made to like live and interact and have friendship. He made you that way. This is why men, listen to me, when Adam was alone in the Garden of Eden, God looked at him and said, "Mm, that's not good for you to be alone. Why? He made you to have a need. Like you need to think about that, that God meets most of the needs in your life, but he actually created a need in you that only other people could meet. You're designed for relationships and you need to have quality relationships because when you don't and when you have bad blood, you know this because when you have an offensive experience, you know what it's like. Your stomach gets knotted up. You don't sleep as good. You start having imaginary conversations with people. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you just get stressed and then it wears on you. God doesn't want you to have bad blood. And here's what you need to know. This is what this series is all about, especially today, is this. Is that you can have peace about the relationship even when you don't have peace in the relationship. So when you have bad blood with mom or bad blood with a sibling or a coworker or a neighbor or a friend or whoever it is, I want you to know, and this is what we're going to see today. Bad blood is going to be in that relationship. It's going to be there. And you might not get peace in that relationship, but you can get peace about that relationship. And whether or not you have peace about that relationship is going to depend on how you kind of absorb what we talk about today. Today, we're going to look at one single verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And this verse is big. This verse is huge. This verse is a overstuffed turkey. And we're going to look at one verse today, because I'm telling you this, if you can pull off this one verse, we don't need to look at 20. 
If you can pull off this one verse, you'll discover how you can have peace about a relationship even when you don't have peace in a relationship. So Romans chapter 18, this is the way it reads. So isn't this brilliant? Live at peace with everyone. To which we're all like, have you met my mother-in-law? You know, have you, do you know who I live next to? Do you know who I'm married to? Live at peace with everyone? Isn't this kind of pie in the sky? Let's be honest. This is like, this is like the Pope wrote this. You know, like somebody just uber guru. Hey, li, li, we're praying for world peace. Be at peace with everyone. Who wrote this? Well, let me tell you who wrote this. There's a guy. And his name was Paul. And, and we're going to take our cues from him as we look at this verse. But you got to know this. When he says, live at peace with everyone, i got to give him a little bit of credit. Because here's what you may not know about Paul. Paul, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, he used to be a guy who was a very, very well-established leader in the church of Jerusalem, and in terms of like not, not the Christian church, but the Jewish church, like Judaism. He was a high ranking Jewish official. And when Christianity broke out, he was the one leading the charge to like imprison the Christians, beat up the Christians. He was even there. They took one Christian named Stephen and just stoned him to death and threw rocks at him. And Paul was sitting there the whole time saying, Yeah, get him. I'll take care of the body afterwards. I mean, this is the type of guy. That Paul was as a high-ranking Jewish official. And so he hated the Christians. He was trying to basically get rid of them and imprison them and squash this new movement. All of a sudden, something happens. He's on a road to Damascus, and he gets knocked off of his horse, and he sees a big light, and he hears a big voice, and his life has changed. He literally saw the light. Figuratively, literally, he, he saw the light. And Jesus changes his life. Now, can you imagine? All of a sudden, you're like, hey, guys, I'm with you now. You know that thing where I put your mom in jail? If you could just forget about that. that can you imagine? Because now you're trying to go worship and have church and have fellowship with people that you beat up and people that you imprisoned. This is like why they don't put cops in, in, in you know, general population. You know what I mean? You, you don't, you don't, you don't want to fellowship with those people anymore. And so not only was he trying to go hang out with the Christians and have the Christians accept him, which was awkward, when he went back to his old Jewish buddies, they didn't want to have anything to do with him. So he had bad blood all around him, and his whole life is marked by this idea. And so he says, he's the one that says, live at peace with everyone. Now, now this is the other part of the verse. Let's take a look at the next part of the verse. He actually says it like this, if it is possible meaning sometimes it's not possible like sometimes you're going to do everything that you can do and it still won't work out it's still not a guarantee just because it's sometimes not possible meaning this let me put it like this the pursuit of peace even without the promise of peace is not a pointless pursuit because he still says live at peace with everyone doesn't he but he before he goes if it's possible meaning like Maybe it won't be, but you need to know, like, because this is, this is what's crazy about relationships. Sometimes you're going to have that person in your life, and you think it will never, it's never going to work out. It doesn't matter what I did. And, and all of a sudden, it, I've had this, and it works out, and you're shocked, and you're like, I can't believe this somehow worked out. And then there's other people in your life where you're like, I'm sure that if I apologize, or if they, or we'll mend, or we'll reconcile, and I'm sure it'll work out, and it, do, and it doesn't. We don't always know what's possible and what's not. But he says, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. And this is the middle part of the verse. Not only does he say, if it is possible, he says what? As far as it depends on 
You. Yeah, so I had one person. Thank you. Let's try that again. As far as it depends on you. Yeah. As far as it depends on you. So, so this is this big statement that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace there. As a matter of fact, let's just look at this little chunk right here. As far as it depends on you. Everybody say you. Like one of the questions that you need to ask is, is, is like, well, what about you? Like, what are you doing? Because you're a, you're a contributing factor to the bad blood somehow, some way. Maybe, maybe they, it was all on them, but like you're involved. What about you? Because have you ever noticed that when we're offended at people, that all we think about is them? And we think about what they did and what they shouldn't have done and how could they and if they'd only stop and if they would never and if they wouldn't have said that. And, if they, and, and we kind of lose sight of the fact that maybe, just maybe, we're involved. Like maybe some of this is actually me. Maybe I'm a part of this. Maybe I caused this. Maybe I did stuff that I wasn't aware of. Like what about, what about me? Like, or, or just what about me? Like how am I going to respond? Forget about them for a second. What, what am I going to do? Let, let's look at this word right here. Look at the next word. Depends. Normally I'd have you say depends, but that'd be kind of certain products that make that depends. But for the sake of theology, just everybody say depends. Depends. It, it wasn't that weird. So depends. Depends means this. This is the question that you want to ask yourself when you think about the word depends. What depends on you? Like there's something that depends on you. There's something that's, that's inside of your control. There's something, let me put it this way. There's something that you're responsible for. Does that make sense? Like let me, let me give you this thought. All the major religions of the world in essence teach something similar about forgiveness. And they all say if somebody has wronged you and they come to you and ask you for forgiveness, they basically all teach, yeah, you should forgive them. And we would say, okay, that sounds pretty good. Do you know that Jesus is the only one that said, I don't care if they come to you or not. I still want you to forgive them. And so there's a responsibility on your end is my point. And so one of the questions you ask is like, well, what depends on me? What, what role do I have to play? What do I need to do next? And then when you look at the next word, far. Listen, that, that means there's some distance that needs to be traveled. Doesn't that make sense? The question you would ask yourself is, can I go any farther? Can I go any further? Is there anything that I can do? As much as it depends on me, as far as I can go, put it this way, have I gone as far as I possibly can? Because ultimately, when I said that you could have peace about a relationship, even though you don't have peace in a relationship, this is what I'm talking about. Have you done everything that you can do on your end, in your area of responsibility, and when it comes to you? Have you gone as far as you possibly can? Because here's the deal. Peace is possible when you've done all that you can do. And this is, like, this is why I tell, like, when married couples come to me and they're on the brink of divorce and things have gotten really, really ugly, or, and, and I, maybe I'm just talking to him or I'm just talking to her, and what I always tell them is this. I'm like, hey, as far as it depends on you, listen. Make every effort possible. Make one more last ditch, all in, throw a Hail Mary, give it everything you got. You go to counseling, you go get help, you go make amends, you try every trick, everything, every step. You do everything you possibly humanly can. Because if you do that, and you make every step that you can make, I promise you, you'll live the rest of your life knowing. All right. In the end, they said no. In the end, they were still tripping. In the end, they were still funky. In the end, they wanted nothing to do with whatever. But as far as it depended on me, 
I did everything that I could. Because this is what I find whenever I talk to people who've, who've maybe got like marriages in their past that didn't work out. The vast majority of them sit there and think and they have regrets. And this is where people live with the guilt and the shame and the regret of life is because they think about those previous friendships. They think about those previous marriages and they think, you know what? I never really tried hard enough. I really never gave it my all. I really never took all. I mean, I, I might tried a little bit, but I didn't do everything. I didn't go as far as I possibly could have gone. And now I carry the weight of, well, what if? What if I would have actually done everything on my end to make the relationship at peace again? And so this is what I need you to know. That it's, listen, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, I want you to live at peace with everyone. Now, here's what I want you to do then. Because I know a lot of you are like, well, what do I, what do you mean, what do I do? And there's a lot of different things you can do, but I'm going to give you this tool that I think may be the most important first step that you can do. And it's something I've never talked about. As a matter of fact, when it was introduced to me, I kicked back a little bit. I'm like, really? And I had to really dive in. I had to really think. I had to really study more. I had to pray more. And I'm like, okay. And now I finally figured out, like, okay, I think I got this thing figured out. And here's what I want you to know, is that the first step that every one of us can take is this. It is to take the step and the path of empathy. Now, now if you're anything like me, you're like, empathy, okay. Because I had to like dive into this. Like, what do you mean to be? What do, you, what do you mean empathy? Because sympathy is different than empathy. I don't know if you know this or not. Sympathy is the idea that when like somebody goes through something terrible, that you look at them and you're like, whew, that's terrible. Whew, glad that wasn't me. <laughs> whew, that's terrible. I'm glad. I, you know, that, that's sympathy. It's just feeling sorry for somebody. That's sympathy. What empathy is, is your attempt to actually feel what they felt. That's different, isn't it? Like, 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 this is why in your human relationships, if you want to be a great friend, you don't want to be a person that just gives out sympathy. Because sympathy, sympathy many times, like your friend will be going through something terrible and then you'll give them the, well, at least statement. You know what I mean? Like, like don't ever give them a, well, at least statement. Like all of a sudden, you're, 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 you know, the kid, is, the kid got thrown in jail. Like, well, at least you got one good kid. Don't give them, well, at least, because you're, listen, you're trying to be comforting. You're not. Your goal as a friend would be to say, you know what? Do I have anything in my life that even closely resembles the feeling that they might be experiencing right now? And is it possible for me just to get totally down into the gutter with them for just a moment and say, you know what? I can't imagine what that feels like. And I don't know what that's like, but I just want you to know I'm your friend and I'm here for you. Like, that's empathy. It's to find the common emotion that you can relate to and say, you know what? Because this, is, because this is what he says later. Just a few verses later, he says this. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Whatever they're doing, you get in it with them. And you love the snot out of them and you empathize. You feel what they feel. And this right here, this idea of empathy, this is what this literally means. Now, how many of you are golfers out there? Can I get a what, what? Can I... Let's, it's just all hug real quick and just, I love you. Um, how many of you don't golf out there? Really? How long have you been coming to church here? I'll pray for you. 
Okay, in golf, if you're a golfer, you know this. Now, if you're a bad golfer, what you do is, is when you finally get your little white ball on the putting green, what you do is, is you'll get behind the putt. You think, oh, because you know, I mean, the putts move. They break because there's slope and angle, all this stuff. And so the ball's going to move and curve depending on the slope of the green. And typically, you just get behind that putt. Like, I think it's going to move a little bit that way. You get up there and you hit it and you're like, and you don't make it. And what I realized was, is as, as, as I've gotten to become a better golfer over the years, is I watched what great putters do, right? I watched what professional putters do, people that make money for a living and do really, really well making sure that little ball goes into that hole. And what they do is different than what I would do. I would just get behind it, look at my eyes, go that way, all right, here we go, and I would hit it, and I would rarely make any putts of any real distance. And what great putters do is this. If you ever watch, now this is the part, that, probably the, the part if you watch golf where you're falling asleep. It's so boring, okay? But this is what they do. They will get behind the ball and look at the hole and look at where it's going. And then they start going this way. And they walk in a full 360 degree movement all the way from the ball to the low side of the hole. They'll get behind the hole. And they'll do this. You ever see them do this where they hold the stick? And you're like, what the crap are y'all doing? It's called plumb bobbing and I don't think it works. But they do, they, but they get behind. And here's what I've noticed is that when I'm putting and I look at it this way, it looks like it's going to move a certain way. But I've noticed that when I get on the other side of the hole and I look at it backwards, I can actually see it more clearly backwards sometimes better than I can see it forward. And then they'll come around the high side. It's called a 360 degree view. It's, it's, this is what empathy really is. Empathy says this, whenever there is bad blood in a relationship, what if you, what if you said, okay, I know what I feel. I know what my perspective is. I know why I'm angry and offended. But what about them? What were they thinking? What was going through their head? What was going, how would, because what if I walked and I saw it from other people's angles? Like what if I saw it from an outsider's angle? Maybe they would see it differently. What if I got all the way behind the hole and decided, what if I just saw it from their vantage point? What were they thinking? What were they feeling? What were they experiencing? Because here's, here's what I need you to know. Have you ever been in a, an offensive relationship and thought what they did was completely dumb and mean. And you're like, that's so dumb. And you are, there is no way they have any reason for why they did what they did. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this question. Is it possible that what they did makes sense to them? Yeah, there's a good chance it does. But I don't know what it is. And right now, I don't even care. I'm so seething mad. I don't even care. And that's the way it is. When we only look at things from our vantage point, we end up limited. And so what I want you to do is to take that long walk of empathy. And I want you to go over to their side. And I want you to begin to feel what they feel and think about how they think. And here's, here's why this is so important. You need to know this. This is, this is fantastic here. You need to dial in. If you've checked out, come back to me. You, this is what science has determined, is that you have been hardwired and designed for empathy. Did you know that? Like, if you look at your sinful nature, you would think, oh, no, we're all about selfishness and greed and getting our own and what. No, 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 no. Actually, 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 we're hardwired for empathy, and we can trace it throughout human history. So let me give you an example. In human history, when you look at, like, the, the, the path of empathy and the way the human race has taken empathy, it used to be that we were very, very tribal. We didn't have cities and populate. We, we were very, very tribal. And it used to be, because even to go back to the Bible, where was all of our empathy and our loyalty towards other people? It was just our family, right? Like the family bloodline is what mattered most, and I could always be compassionate or empathetic towards my family. And then 
People started to, to move forward in human history. And then we began to become empathetic towards people who shared the same faith that we did. So if you were a Christian, I could empathize with other Christians. Or if you were this, I could empathize because we're all in the same, we have the same faith. And that was where our empathy led. Then we became very, very national in terms of like the way we thought about our countries and our flags and our borders and how we thought about life. And we realized, you know what? I'm an American. Bless God. I'm a, I can bleed the, on the flag to keep the stripes red. I love America. You don't have to put an A in front of it now. America. I remember being in Tahoe, 4th of July. Everybody's wasted, drunk on the beach, ready for the fireworks. And these big redneck crazy drank too much. Freedom, guns, and Jesus. Woo! America. You like that, huh? And so we became, we became like, hey, I will be compassionate and empathetic towards people who share the same country as I do. And none of, none of that's bad. But here's what we found, too, is that the world is shrinking and we're actually becoming more global in our thinking. And I'll give you the illustration is this. Remember years ago, a few years back, when, when Haiti had the big, huge earthquake that literally killed thousands upon thousands and devastated everybody? They were able to track this. Because of social media and the internet, you know what they realized? Is that within one hour of the earthquake, everybody's tweeting about it. Within two hours, there's video of it on YouTube and Facebook. You know, within three hours, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars were being flooded in for relief for people that we don't know, we've never met, we've never been to Haiti. We don't know who these people are. They don't even look like us. They don't, they're not the same ethnicity as us. They talk funnier than us. They have a different language and dialect than us. And yet we're flooding in money from all around the world within three hours. Well, I'm telling you, we're designed for empathy. Did, did you know this? Like, I need you to think about something radical. Do you know that people that work in the field of genetics... They look at DNA coding, and what they've determined is this, is that every human being shares at least one same marker with every other human being. I don't know if you know this or not, but what they've done is, is that this is where the Bible somehow nailed it, and, 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 and science caught up to it finally and was like, okay, yeah, yeah, you guys got that right. There is a, there is a person that they can trace back thousands of years ago. It's called mitochondrial Eve. Anybody ever heard of this before? Mitochondrial Eve. And then there's another guy called Y chromosome Adam. And what they found is, is that in the DNA and in the genetics of every living human being, six billion plus people, we can all go back and trace ourselves to one man and one woman. Do you know what that means? That means me and you are related. And what if I begin to see you, and you might be black and I might be white, but somewhere down the lines, me and you have the same mama. And you might be this, and I might be that, and I might be a little bit of this, and you might be a little bit of that, but somewhere down the line, you and I got the same daddy. Because ultimately, we all come from the same place. We are all made in the image and likeness of God. We all share the same family history and the same family tree. Listen, we are all people for whom Christ died. There is something that links us together. And when we begin to realize that we all come from the same place and we all carry the same issues and we're all in this thing together, then we can maybe begin to share this idea called empathy. Now, let me talk to you real quick here. This is, what, this is how they define empathy. There's a, there's a doctor and a scientist and a university study, and I, I don't want to go into the details, but here's, here's basically the four qualities of empathy. Number one is this. Empathy, if you want to become an empathetic person, number one is you're going to take on their perspective as truth. 
That doesn't mean it's true. It just means you go over to their end and say, okay, this is the way they saw it. This was what was true to them at least. And I need to get their vantage point. I need to do that though. I have to suspend my own judgment. That might be the hardest thing to do because we're so quick to judge and we're pretty good at it. And we're so quick to like assume the worst, know what they were thinking, believe their bad motive and on and on and on and on. I'm telling you, you just got to pause and say, let me just forget everything for just a second. What if I went over to their side and begin to see what they see and to begin to feel what they feel? Number three is this, is what, then I have to recognize what was the emotion. And then number four is I need to communicate that emotion. Whether again, whether it was just I need to write it down, whether I need to talk to a counselor, a trusted friend, maybe I need to go to them even. But this, these are the four qualities of empathy. And I'm telling you what, this right here, if you will take the long walk of empathy, it will change the quality and the dynamic of your relationships. Now listen, I'm not saying that everything's going to work out. Because some of you right now, there's a kickback in some of you right now. And some of you right now are like, yeah, but if I do that, Todd, here's, this is so fruit-fruit. This is what you really want me to do. You want me to go over to their side and think, oh, well, if they, well, because they had this rough childhood and because they didn't have these toys when they were a kid and they never got to go to Disneyland. And then you want me to feel sorry for them and then excuse everything they did. No, I don't. We'll talk about boundaries later. We'll talk about what do you do when you've offended, when somebody's offended you. All I'm telling you is that the first step, if you want to have great relationships, that if you want to try to heal the bad blood, that the best thing that you can do is at first take this step of empathy and begin to feel what they feel for a moment. Suspend your judgment. Think about what it is like from their vantage point and then to communicate that. That that literally is how you're going to become an empathetic person. And if you will do that, I promise you, Every Listen, in a dysfunctional relationship, empathy could be the key to opening up a dialogue that eventually leads to a healthy relationship. Taylor Swift said it pretty well. Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. But here's what I want you to do. This is the walk away if you're taking notes. This is the question that you have to ask yourself. Have I done everything that I can do to feel it from their side? Because there's going to be bad blood. It's right around the corner. In any relationship, it can happen. And sometimes you're going to do everything you possibly can and it still won't work out. That's okay. You still have to do your part. You're still responsible for something. But I'm telling you that if you will take the long walk of empathy, if you will do everything you can to feel it from their side, then you can at least do everything in your power to reconcile the relationship. And even if it doesn't work out, you know what you get? You get to have peace about the relationship, even if you don't get peace in the relationship. And I'm telling you, we all want peace of mind. We all want to sleep easier at night. We all want to stop having imaginary conversations. Isn't that the worst? You feel like I've been talking to myself for half an hour, and I was giving them the business, and it was so good, and why didn't I think about that in the moment? And, 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 and don't you just want to live at peace, though? Listen, you might not have peace with them, but I'm telling you what, you can have peace about the relationship because what you've learned is, is that if it's possible, as far as it possibly depends on you and you go as far as you possibly can to live at peace with them, you take that long walk of empathy, I'm telling you, you get to walk away saying, you know what, I did everything I could and it's okay. I'm just going to trust God with the rest. 
I did everything that I could possibly do. I'm going to believe God for the best. And if it doesn't work out, if that's okay. I've done everything that I can do. And here's, here's the beauty of it. This is what I want you to see. Is that God never asks you to do anything that God does not do himself. I want you to think about this for a second. In your relationship with God, you were the offensive one. You were the sinful one. You were the rebellious one. You were the idolatrous one. You were the one that wasn't perfect or holy or wasn't following or obeying. Or, you know, we could go on down the list. And do you know what Jesus was? Jesus was ultimately God's most empathetic gesture. I want you to think about that. Because God's like, all right, here they are. I, did, I sent Moses this, and I sent the prophets this, and I gave them this, and I gave them all these scriptures. Okay. All right, Jesus, we're going to work as far as it depends on us. Or we'll go as far as we can. So Jesus starts stripping himself of glory and majesty and honor. And he doesn't stand on his side of heaven, but he comes to your side. And he so far as to go to say, you know what? Not only will I come to try to try to see it from your perspective and even feel what you feel, I will ultimately take on what you can't take of care of for yourself. This was the ultimate gesture, wasn't it? Like, this is what Jesus did. This is why Jesus can take these radical statements like, I want you to forgive others just like I have forgiven you. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, I give you this new command. I want you to love others just as I have loved you. If Jesus didn't come and forgive and Jesus didn't come and love us, he couldn't make that statement. I'm telling you what, God is empathetic and he has done everything and gone as far as he possibly could to reconcile his relationship with you. And there's an open invitation. So if you're here today and you're away from God and you know that you're not right with God, I'm telling you, there's an open invitation. Because as far as it depended upon him, he did everything he possibly could to open up that door to create a path. So that you could be in great relationship with your heavenly father. And when you take the long walk of empathy, you're being like Jesus. So if you ever wanted to be like Jesus, this is what Jesus does. He takes that long walk of empathy so that ultimately he can have peace with you and you can have peace with God. Not only can you have, because this is, what, this is the dynamic of it. When you have peace with God, then you get to receive the peace of God. And that it's how you live in God's blessing and God's abundant life. But what God cares about today, he's, he's paved the path of empathy. But now he's inviting you to go down that road as well and say, in all the relationships where you have bad blood, in any area where you've offended or you've been offended, can you take the first step of empathy and bring about something powerful to bring something life-giving to that relationship? This is just week one. I want you to get in here next week because we, we didn't cover everything. This is just the first step and the first, first path. This was all based out of one verse. I told you we couldn't figure out all the verses because we couldn't live out all those verses. I'm telling you, if you can just live out that one verse, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's pray today. So, Father, we pray that, God, that as we're on this journey and for the next few weeks, Lord God, that you would be wrestling with us in our hearts and our minds, God, that there are things in us that don't belong in us. There are things that we need to be free from, we need to be healed from, we need to move forward from, God. And so today, the big step for us is can we take the step of empathy, God? I pray that as we think about that bad blood relationship and as we think about that person in our life, God, help us to become like you. Can we go and take the 360 walk? Can we go see it from their angle? Can we feel what they feel? And maybe, just maybe, maybe just maybe we understand at least where they're coming from. And maybe just understanding where they're coming from helps us move forward just a little bit better. God, we pray for your strength, your wisdom, your grace, Lord God. Help us to take that step, Lord. 
Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.